stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey there, and welcome to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. How's 2022 turning out for you? I really hope it's the year that people get inspired and and really start to step into their true self, you know, and say, you know what, damn it, I'm here and I can make a difference. One of the problems is we are really hard on ourselves and we're often saying, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that, you know, no one's going to listen to what I've got to say. And a lot of us are adults that are saying that where we've actually got a platform of maturity where people will listen to us. We're relying now on young people to step up to the plate and to try and they have to push a little harder to get their voice heard. But there are so many young people doing amazing things, you know, and if they can do it, we can do it. So let's have a good think about that. Today's guest is an amazing human being my god she is incredible she's only 14 and I met her when she was 13 um, on a call with the Dalai Lama she is unbelievable let me tell you about her you are going to love this conversation Raheen Fatima is a 14-year-old girl from Pakistan who is also a peace and climate change activist a stand-up comedian theatre actor aspiring entrepreneur Sustainable Development Goals Ambassador and Interviewer. Over the course of the pandemic, she has conducted over 500 interviews and sessions to foster global peace and achievements of the SDGs, which is the Sustainable Development Goals. When her younger brother was diagnosed with cancer, she realised one is never too young or too old to die. She embarked on a journey with a passion to empower people around her and bring peace to this world. With a passion to work for people and planet, Rahini is ambitious to take her work global by creating teams and collaborations for making global peace dreams a reality. She's currently working on multiple projects and her immediate aim is to synergize all peace efforts in one place involving all stakeholders across the globe. She believes nothing else but interfaith, intercultural, international dialogue can pave the way for global peace. Welcome, Raheen. I'm like, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure being here. Oh, it's my my absolute pleasure. I think that you're an absolute legend. You know, I've been watching you for probably well, nearly a year and you are just mind-blowing. Like, I don't, you know, I don't even know where to start. So you're 14. I met you when you were 13 and I was thinking, how does a 13-year-old, how are you so, so active, you know, to all the, toward all these things that are make, bringing global peace? And yeah, I think it's just fantastic. And, but you, you also had a younger brother who was diagnosed with cancer. And I know that that um, 
triggered you into more action. So, like, tell us a bit about your childhood and, you know, and about your brother's diagnosis and, and how that made you really step into the, I don't know, a global leadership role, really, because that's what it is. Yeah, um, honestly, I had the realization that I wanted to start um, start young and start right right now. Back then, right now, it's it's confusing when I say it. But um, so I was ten back then. So like I started when I was I just like turned eleven and I started. Um, so for me, I've been working professionally for about three years because. Um, February 1st is going to be three years. Now, I pride myself over it because nobody my age, even if I meet other people, um, unless, again, they started working at six or something, would not have, you know, more experience than me. And I, um, <clears throat> I've i learned a lot. So my childhood was pretty, pretty interesting um, because I was the first child on my dad's side and I was my parents' first child. So, like, they were, let's just say they were confused. And so when I was born and so my dad and my mom, again, there's like a lot of uh, when I, you know, when a baby's about to come in the family, they're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, OK, so that hype, I, 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 I'm here now. And so now what do we do? That's like my parents' first reaction after like all the guests and everybody leaves and blah, blah. And they're like, so um, what now? <laughs> We do have a baby. What do we do with it? Is the question, you know? Um, and so my dad, uh, and I don't know why he still prides himself over it. I don't think he should, but the thing is, he, I don't know, he he read somewhere or listened uh, or heard somewhere that you should start reading to your kids young. So when I was like six months old, he was reading me like, you know, like adult philosophy books. And so now that I read, you know, um old, old, old stuff, like as part of my school, uh, like we're reading Antigone by Sophocles. It's a very nice play. Um, and he was like, you know what? You can only read that stuff because of me. And I'm like, no, I was a six month baby. Half the time I was asleep and I didn't even know. You were thinking I was blinking. So, you know, you know, let, let, let's, let's have you have the moment. Okay. It is because of you. So a lot of times, most of our things would end that way. But, um, and I was moving a lot as part of my job, as my, as part of my dad's job. So I was born in another place, you know, and then I was in about like three, four cities growing up. And then I might be moving again. I was just about to say next year, but then I realized, no, that is this year. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still getting used to the whole new year thing. It takes me, you know, about like 10 to 15 days to get through it. And it's all good then. Wow. And so uh, maybe your dad's right. Let, we'll let him have the fame, you know, for the. Uh, yeah. But but maybe there is something in it. You know, maybe there is because yeah. I've heard a lot about that. You know, if, if kids are read books when they're young, you know, it really does. It really does. I don't know, affect their affect their mindset. But so what about your little brother when he got his diagnosis of cancer? How did that change things? Um, it changed things a lot because um, honestly, it was just the visit to the hospital. Then there was something wrong. And then for um, the same day, my mom sent me to my grandma's house because she knew that this is going to this is going to be long, according to what the doctors told her. And then I was the first one um, after my parents were told by the they weren't even told by the doctor they walked into an oncology ward they googled what oncology was and like okay so 
this is one of the things the doctor told us it could be that it was cancer. And so they, I was the first person to know out of the family and then slightly and slowly they told everyone. And then um, I was like, no, it can't be because I remember like growing up, I used to watch a lot of documentaries and all. I remember I watched one of them where it was, I don't know, um, people with cancer um, cancer survivors or people that were still going through chemotherapy, how did they live their life? It was something on TLC. Mm. That's all I remember. Um, and I was like, I remember I used to ask my dad, so why, why do they not have any hair? And so why does this even happen? And I remember like, I would hear stuff like somebody's brother or somebody's father or somebody's sister got cancer, but I didn't know that this, this is my brother that I was hearing about. So, um, it was it was very different, and I like at that moment I knew that like a lot of things are gonna change. I was I see I was ten, and I was a fifth grader, and I was having the time of my life when this happened. So, um, I was at my grandma's, and I I would go like a month straight without seeing my mom because they wouldn't take me to the hospital. I start crying, and then again they don't they don't want to upset my mom more and be you know because again now that we both talk, she was always like. You know, I'd be very upset because of what's happening, like in the moment in the hospital. But, you know, my mind would always be on you back home because I knew that you weren't happy mm. because, see, I wasn't like, you. how are you happy with your parents? They were not there for my birthday. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was a very tough time for me. That's when I actually started writing, like personally, I've never published that material because it's now that I see I could like pull in a billion grammar mistakes and spelling mistakes. But um, that is when, like, when I, what I saw, and then that was one, one day that I went to the ICU and then they promised themselves never to take me there to what happened. Uh, Cause I started crying a lot and then they eventually kicked me out. Uh, the nurses that kicked me out. Cause see, uh, everybody there's already upset if I start crying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, just not gonna help mm. um and I saw my brother there and I was like I could be there I'm, I'm not that old I'm just eight years older than him and anybody one of my like any of my cousins or any of my uh, my friends or you know my mom and dad anybody could be there and so when I'm there and I was thinking wow I was sitting outside because they kicked me out <laughs> was um Okay, so if I am there, like as a 10-year-old, that's the best thing you can think about when you're crying. Well, I am there. What's going to happen? Like, you know, like if I am there, so, and if I die, um, what do I go tell? So I'm, I'm, see, I'm a religious person. So I just, the first thing I was like, what am I going to tell God? Mm-hmm. What did I do? Um, did I sometimes maybe... And if my mom and dad are watching this, never bunk school or, you know, the different sort of things that I have done in my life. And so <clears throat> from there, I was like, I want to have done something in my life whenever I am there. Cause I could be there tomorrow. I could be there anytime or they could just drag me inside and put me there. They could do anything. Right. Um, and that is when I had like, you know what, I'm going to start working now. Cause I don't know if I'm going to live up to 18 to like, be dumb enough to be waiting until then and then or to wait after I'm done with college or anything so after my mom and dad were back from the hospital because again I could not do anything by until that time because my uncles were busy in their own uh careers and so were my aunts and my grandparents so um I couldn't just do anything like 
as an individual, you need some support and some, mm-hmm. you know, uh, backup people. Uh, so <laughs> when my mom and dad came back from the hospital, we started writing comedy and then we started presenting it. And so from there, I still wonder what if we had not done that open mic and then got got gone to another one. And so I feel like I owe that sort of decision and not chickening out of the last moment, which I was totally going to do. Um, and I owe, and I owe all this, thing. I don't know how it spindled. And then at some point it just spindled out of control. So. Wow. There's a lot in that, isn't there? And you, you, um, so you, you, are a comedian. You started there. We'll, um, we'll get to that. But first you, and, and I don't even know where to start. This is, this is the thing. You, you, you've got all these peace initiatives. You're an interviewer, a comedian, an actor, a teacher, a social entrepreneur, and you, your work has been featured on multiple media outlets, you know, CNN, New York times, and, and you are having a massive impact on, on the planet, you know, on people. And I just think it's absolutely mind-blowing. But So I don't know where to start, but let's start at your peace initiatives because, you know, you, you just there's so much to cover and I really hope we get it covered. But um, you are an ambassador and a panellist for the International Children's Month and where you conduct sessions and panel discussions for peace through love, respect and care for children. And you're a member of the International Peace Lab. So mm-hmm. tell us a, a little bit about these two things. Um, amazing. So um, I joined um, International Children's Month um, <clears throat> 2020. So I, I joined it um, back then because I, I saw some of their work and then I texted Heidi Little, the founder of this initiative. Um, and many others. And so we started going back and forth. And then she called me one day. And so we get on this panel that I that I did on co-creation and the youth. And so I gathered all my friends uh, and I was like, let's do this. And so we did it. And then we started moving forward with um, action days. So um, we were like, so um, once in a month, we could do like a session, which is which could be called an action day. And then we could go live with one or multiple panels and sort of have a theme for it. And so we started doing that with the same sort of group. Um, and so we did that for you know quite a time. And then that was what was happening. And then I met a lot of great people uh, through this uh, sort of um, journey. And one of those is um, a very well-known um, Indigenous leader, uh, Chief I were looking for. And I, and I, you know, it's just like, I wish it was a different time because it was like four or five in the morning. Um, and so with Peace Lab, so I, mer- I met Kurt on Facebook um, um 2019 yeah 2019 started 2020 something like that and so we started talking and he's a very very cool guy he's the founder of peace lab and so i mean he he told me the story of how he was on a hijacked plane and then i was hooked on and i was like oh my god and like every time i say anything like and, and i remember i i said like a random word or something and so he starts telling me a story so i feel like I'm not saying you're old, Kurt, if you're watching, like I, and if, even if you think you are, I love old people, but uh, it's just like, you always have a story to tell. And I think, I think that's what's most interesting about these people that have experience and expertise. 
And so PSAP was basically, I remember I actually sat down and I'm like, explain me what it is. And it's like, you know, we're all talking about peace in different ways. So I advocate for peace through the love for children. And there's many more people that have different theories as to how peace could be, you know, achieved. And I mean, we all have put that into action somehow. Um, and, you know, again, it's little, little, little initiatives and that's all it has become. It has not become more than that or a unified initiative. And so Peace Lab wanted to unite all these ideas and all these small initiatives um, and experiment with it, have fun and sort of say, find that philosopher's stone. And as a Harry Potter fan, I love Kurt's use of young people things. I'm so sorry, you're so young, but like, you got my point. <laughs> uh, so uh, the philosopher's uh, stone uh, of peace. And I feel like it's very interesting because a lot of people come there with different ideas and I've, I've been part of their meetings and um, I have been <clears throat> part of after chats of humanity risings that are done by a lot of members of the peace lab. Um, so I've learned a lot from all these people and Kurt, um, you know, whenever I think of people that have that I that that have taught me a lot, and <laughs> that have uh, really really tolerated me for a time, uh, Kurt is probably one of the top on the list. Oh, that's awesome! And you you are also doing. Um, so it sounds like to me you never sleep, but uh, you know it's you probably don't ever sleep. Now, you are also an interviewer for Peace, like, and in the lockdowns over COVID, because a lot of people, when COVID hit, you know, we a lot of people migrated and sort of just hid under a rock and thought, well, I'm just going to wait for this to pass. You didn't. You said, right, I'm going to interview as many people as I can about education, peace, climate change, gender equality, inclusivity, diversity. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. The thing that is amazing is that you've interviewed over 500 people. 500 people. Mm -hmm. how, how? Like, how have you, is this, to me, that's like 10, two people, three people a day. How, what gave you the idea to start connecting with all these people and start interviewing them? So um, it started basically off, there's this guy named Johanna Lavalad. While I was networking, so I met this guy and he... He has this thing that he offers you a laptop for um, for basically having 500 mutual friends with him because he has friends from all over the world that are on top of whatever they're doing, right? So, um, <clears throat> Jake, if you have 500 mutual friends with me, okay, I'll give you a laptop. And I, back then I was not interviewing, so I, you know, it was my dad's laptop. I still... Yeah, it's not his anymore. He says it's my laptop because again, I use it way more than he ever did, right? Um, but uh, so I wanted a laptop just to like binge watch Netflix at night. I had my whole dreams and goals with that, and so I was like, I'm gonna do that. So I went home, made a Facebook, and that is um, November thirteenth, twenty nineteen. So um, I went on there and I already had some friend requests because I was a girl and second, because I had been on that networking event. And so people knew me and I started adding his friends and I was like, let me standardize an introduction. So I standardized an introduction and then I had a lot of friends, you know, like I think I hit, I hit about 400 and then he suggested 
And I also, you know, I, I took his advice and suggestion because I also had that realization somewhere that if I have all these Facebook friends, there's no use of it. Like no use of it if I don't know them. And if I know them, I can potentially co-create or collaborate with them. And if I can't, somebody else that I know can. So it can be somebody else's good or my own good, like, right? Um, and so that's when I started uh, interviewing. And it was pretty, like, I was like, so who do I interview? And so how that basically then is like, I got a message notification from one of my friends, PJ Entrepreneur. And I was like, you could have messaged that another time. It's going to be you. And so I texted him and we got uh, into an interview. And then so we, and I started interviewing. My first interview was January 12th. And by the time it was, so it was the month of fasting for Muslims, Ramzan. And I was doing at an average four or five interviews a day. Wow. And the maximum I have done, like booked myself for and be there. And sometimes again, people don't bother to show up. Um, it has been about six to eight. Yeah. So, um, and that time, my dad, uh, so he used to ask me this, because like, again, I wanted to do that much. And he was like, you know what? You should cut it down and be a human. Because, <laughs> um, and so I used to have very limited time to do that. So to say, because I was fasting and while I'm fasting and I have not, you know, ate or, or drunk something, you don't want to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to I'm going to be very honest because I get hangry and then that's not pretty. Yeah. And so uh, it was like after sunset that I would, you know, start interviewing people. I just eat for 15 minutes and do that and then eat more and then do that. And so it was eating, watching a movie and then, you know, sort of say the whole cycle continued. But you said that I do not catch enough sleep. You know, in the, in the introduction, I mentioned the sustainable development goals and, you know, a lot of people know what they are. A lot of people don't know what they are. Um, but you're a youth ambassador at the SDGs, which is Sustainable Development Goals Academy of, pa of Pakistan. And as part of that, you're doing sessions and videos and talks and all that kind of stuff to create awareness. And give us a quick snapshot about what the SDGs are and why they're so important. Well, the SDGs are, so to say, a set of 17 goals that are <clears throat> designed by the UN and, well, ideally would be achieved by 2030. I think it was extended. Basically, these goals are uh, to improve human life mm. to, like, what it is now, improving it and, like, you know, upping it a little bit. And so my personal favorite, and I'm not going to lie, I love to pick favorites, <laughs> it is uh, – the 17th goal, and that is partnerships to achieve these goals. And I feel like it's the glue that holds it all together. And it's basically what I'm doing and a new sort of uh, little thing that is cooking up in form of a social enterprise. Fancy fancy. Yeah. And that's, that's based around the partnership for the goals. Yeah. I don't think we're going to achieve them by 2030, you know, and an extension is a good idea. However, I think this is, you know, something that I, I get a bit annoyed about is that we take it for granted. We take the world for granted, the planet for granted, do, you know, and we're, we've got this sort of, oh, yeah, 2030, oh, that's just an aim. But the truth is if we don't, if we don't start hitting some of these goals really hard, 
you know, we're not going to have a planet. And a lot of people say, oh, that's just, you're over-dramatising, but it's the truth. You know, we're in a really, we're in a serious situation and yet if we all just did that little bit, we actually have an opportunity. We have a window right now to pull ourselves out of this problem and not enough people are doing it. You know, this is what... This is my opinion. I mean, you also are focused on number four, which is quality education. Number eight, oh, yeah. which is decent work and economic growth. 13, climate action. Um, 16, peace, justice and strong institutions. And your, your number 17, partnerships for the goals. I, I do a lot of work around the world with climate action and I'm not a climate action expert, but with Get Off the Bench, I support climate action activists you know, to kickstart their projects. And it's um, through the POP movement. I do a lot of work with them, the Protect Our Planet movement. I think it's really important that we 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 do stuff. But, you know, you're, how important do you think it is that youth, young people, you can never get the word youth out when you're doing this sort of stuff. Um, how important do you think it is it for youth to be playing a role in activating the SDGs? I feel like it's very important because, I mean, a lot of old, again, I'm saying it, a lot of old people that interview me that are definitely older than 14, you know, a lot of these people, they're like, oh my God, so it's us. And then we're sorry that, you know, we ruined the environment, but it's you guys' job. So a lot of young people right now are having these realizations and a lot of young people that I've met are either working on it or want to work on it. And I feel like they should, and it's important because they do because eventually see i'm not gonna deny the nature's this process a lot of old people are gonna pass pass away pass on based on whatever you believe but these young people you know the world is ours and it's so ours like i'm not gonna say we own it but it's like ours so we have to work for it and we have to work on it now for me a lot of things that drive me is because See, I love to think ahead of time, like being the moment, but like a little ahead of time. Be like, so when my grandchildren are going to come, I'm going to show them that. Right. Um, and so I want them to be there yeah. and I want them to be not in just a bunch of trash and, you know, with a lot of juice boxes and, you know, plastic uh stuff that we do away. But I want them to be in a, in a happy, healthy world where they can, they can grow and then they can grow together yeah. as a global community. So I want that. And I feel like a lot of young children or the youth, so to say, not children, uh, would want that too. Now, I know a lot of old people would deny it. Um, and a lot of them are working on it or supporting or have professional expertise. Now, frankly speaking, it's kind of your job to pull us into, in the, into the loop and not to keep us out of it. Yep. And I feel like not only big organizations, but people that are working on small, small initiatives that have not gotten recognized much. I mean, do add children into it, pull them into the loop, tell them, you know, and what if you guys are not enough to uh, get and pull us through out of this crisis? Mm-hmm. Then if you pull these young children in, you pass on these values, these ideas, these solutions and that drive on. for that to continue so if your generation cannot do that uh, we can yep right 
So that is what I just have to say. And the older people, they have to support the people in power. They have to support these young children that are taking initiative. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I agree 100%. And I do think that the older people, me, me, my age, we've, you know, we have not, like I have, I've tried to do my best, but as a whole, it's kind of like we've just let the planet go because everything has been at our fingertips. And and I, I do hear a lot of older people say, well, it's not my problem, but it is our problem. It's all of our problem. And I think we should all be working on it together. You know, all of us should be working on it together. How, how can older people contribute to the SDGs? Like apart from what you just said. I feel like older people, and then when I I say people that are over uh, 30, for me, they are like, oh, you guys are double my age. (laughs) Of course you guys are old, okay? We're not going to get into an argument. Oh, my God, older 50 is old. No. Uh, So I feel like you guys definitely have some sort of expertise or whatever you're working on. I feel like we say that. Uh, only, you know, these engineers, chemical engineers and all these people know about it. Yes, they probably know on it on a level that we do not if we don't um, come from that background, but you can get stats online and you can just like go through them and then you can be, oh my God. So if whatever you're doing, um, even if you are, um, you come from an artistic background, you can do that too. You can write about it. You can um, put up a play about it. Mm. You can do a TV series about it. Celebrities that are just famous can post about it. Um, You know, these fashion brands can control it by, you know, doing all of that. And I don't mean if you put like a sustainable stamp on it, because I was looking through phone covers and then the one that is unsustainable is like way cheaper than the one that's sustainable. And to be very honest, to how much money I would have, I would buy the unsustainable one because I do not have like a hundred bucks for um, a cover. I am going to be very, very honest. Um, So do that. Use the expertise, contribute to it. And if you want to do nothing again, focus on what I said before, just support the people that are doing it because your voice does matter. Uh, It's not only the voice, uh, the voices like, you know, big climate activists and huge actors and celebrities and people like Mr. Beast that are going to really make a difference. But it's your voice as well, because one voice, if, you know, used for the right thing, can gather a million voices behind it. And we've seen that happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I met you last year on the Dalai Lama Zoom, and you were one of the 13 amazing young people that got to ask uh, his holiness a question what goes through a teenager's mind when they're told they're going to be speaking to the dalai lama um a normal teenager or a lot of teenagers i know they'd be like who that who's the dalai lama that's a weird name that would be the reaction of many people but i remember like i almost cried when I heard that, uh, it was a very interesting story because see, my dad, I have been meditating since two and a half. So because my dad used to see a lot of these conferences and uh, read a lot of, you know, uh, articles that were featuring the Dalai Lama, um, I kind of grew up with that sort of, you know, influence. Um, and it's weird to say it, but I used to wear orange. I used to like dress up like him, like apparently like him, because I thought I would meditate better. 
me and uh, Ian, we met for a liaison meeting. And so I believe you're also a liaison. And if you are, you know how they go. They're awesome. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so I, I did mine. And so I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be part of these liaison meetings. So I was, I remember the latest I've done is 3 a.m. in the morning. And then Ian was like, no, you're not doing more. So <laughs> he might have just asked me to go. But, um, you know, I did a lot of those. And then so I kept on hearing whenever, you know, Ian was Ian told about this Dalai Lama event. And so I asked him once and he's like, so we were kind of full on the people. I was like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. If you're like, if we're this close to it, then definitely you guys are full on people. Last minute, a, a young girl pulled out because she couldn't do it because of government restrictions, something like that is a whole thing. Uh, and so, and Ian's like, hey, can you talk? Can you book a meeting? And so I went on there and I'm like, what is it about? What's happening? I would love to volunteer for the event. He's like, this is like very related to what I'm, I'm going to say next. So this is girl, she cannot do it anymore because of restrictions. And so uh, we need a young girl. And so would you want to do that? Would you have the time? And I'm like, <laughs> bro, that's not a question. That is a statement, you know, like saying that is mentorship sessions for later. But of course, yes, I want to do it. Like, duh. And I was sitting with my dad. And then so I went all crazy. And then um it was I don't know it was like um two weeks before the event so it was like very last moment like for these sort of events it's pretty last moment and I'm there and so it was also surreal so I remember so when I when I get off the meeting and so I ate a donut I'm like I'm gonna meet the Dalai Lama that's so cool so I I uh, did a whole Netflix party for myself. I watched two seasons of Waste and Frankie. And so I, I had burgers and I had chicken wings and I had nuggets and I had like whatnot. Okay. So I had like a whole party to myself. And so my dad and I'm like, what are you calling your friends? And I'm like, no, this is like a me time thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had my own celebration for that. Um, but it was more... I remember, so when I was just about to hop on to the Zoom, I had, I remember I had this super DJ Wu moment because I saw the posters, like I saw the posters again and I was like, oh my God. Because in 2017, the Time Magazine, they issued a, a, an article uh, about the Dalai Lama and that was, uh, and he was the cover of it. And that photo was very similar to the one that was on the poster yeah. and I was like I remember reading that I'm like I want to meet him and again so the thing was and back then I was not professionally working I'm like I need to establish myself such that I would get to meet him soon uh so yeah I got to meet him it was very very nice and yeah probably one of the highlights of my life and a lot of friends like I remember when I spoke my best friend I'm meeting the Dalai Lama she's like Oh my God, I'm so happy for you. Who is that? <laughs> so, so I think it's very nice that events like this is, you know, um, not only spreading um, a lot of um, peace in that message, but coming from the Dalai Lama, if spread into the youth, is going to spread a lot of awareness of the Dalai Lama and, mm. um, and his whole um, 
I wouldn't say initiative, but what he is all about. And that is peace and that is love and that is care, respect. Yeah. And that's what came across. He just, he just kept, he just kept reinforcing that and reinforcing that. I, I, I felt the same when Ian, Ian, Ian invited me to be part of that. I was, I actually burst into tears. I, I just, tears just gushed down my face. I couldn't believe that I'd be sitting in a Zoom with the Dalai Lama. It's just uh, amazing. And, and by the way, we're talking about Ian Spears from um, One Better World Collective and what an amazing, amazing job he does and what an amazing organisation mm-hmm. that is. So both of you, yeah. you and I are both liaisons for it and it's such a, such a, a great feeling to be part of things. Uh, that are doing great things for the world. So hats off to yeah. Ian and Jose and, you know, a few of them that do that. But they're just, they're just, I can't speak highly enough. I just absolutely yeah. love, them. love them. Now, you are a stand-up comedian, which we talked about before, yeah. and that's where you started. Like, and you are you the youngest professional stand-up in Pakistan? You must be like one of the highlights of Pakistan, you must be. And I've noticed a theme lately that um, a lot of amazing people are coming out of Pakistan. There's, there's you, there's Malala, and I just saw something that you you shared on uh, comment on LinkedIn the other day about this a girl who's got the best memory in the world or something. She's yeah. from Pakistan, you know. So it's it's so nice because often what 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 the western world will see is you know the um i guess oh. the oppression of pakistan do you, you know and and when you see people like yourself really having a global impact you know it's so refreshing and it just changes that narrative you know it really gives a different narrative so i'm it, it's it's fantastic now but you're also a theatre actor, and I and I, I love this too that you you've created plays for children's rights. So these plays are really important, and you you're standing up for children's rights, um, underage marriages, child abuse, and gender equality. And you know you've showcased your your plays have been showcased at the children's literature the- festival, and you've also done a tour around different cities. Um, with your yeah. plays, you know, to create awareness about child abuse, that I think that's you know that's magnificent. What what's the what's the um, how does that go down? How do, do people do you think people change their minds or their attitudes because they watch your play, or do you think it plants a seed about what should be done, how to treat people properly, treat children properly? I feel like, um, yes, it does, because um, we had a play that was about children's rights, uh, their rights to quality education. And then again, I was playing, I was playing the child. And so, um, again, I was a female child. So underage marriages is a no-no. And for their right to be respected and loved and to be cared for as top of the three rights. And then again, it's food, shelter, and more things after that. But like, these top three things are what we saw that Pakistani parents, they do not, they do not feel that their children are entitled to that. Mm-hmm. Right. They um, do not believe that maybe because of the mindsets that they grew up with and the mindsets that raised them. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's humans that raise each other. I think it's mindsets. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did this puppet play, which is very close to my heart. And I played a little boy because uh, we did this about, yeah, we did this two years ago. So back then my voice was 
not I, I don't want to say womanly enough but <laughs> you know you could be like yeah this is a little boy um and so we did that whole thing about two siblings and and a chimpanzee as their caretaker and them just walking around having fun and then having different encounters with stranger and then uh the chimpanzee telling them that this is what you do and this is what you not do not do and then my character had you know had an encounter a a and then I want to share about it and then did however tell um his parents and his older sister about that and so then they stopped seeing that older gentleman that used to visit their house so i feel like these stories um i've seen movies and i've and i've heard some stories and i think we all have at some point in time um these things but i feel like these things need to be told through theater which was your next question this is what i was referring to when i said artistic <laughs> questions i feel like doing this through theater or uh, stand up comedy you know motivational talks to that or these and communication of social issues through um art as a medium is very important because see if people don't want to take that as a life lesson and if people don't want to take that as a um motivational talk they will just laugh it off hmm. get it they would not take it right to the heart but if i go in and i start talking especially if i start talking at charity schools hmm. to young children about oh my god this is child abuse first of all the school's going to get in trouble with the parents hmm. uh we're going to get in trouble with the school and the parents and that's hmm. not going to end well and we start talking about child sexual abuse um that's just you know when you start talking about things like that it's just like oh my god they're talking about bad things don't talk about these things in front of my uh children and then parents don't realize that if you okay we don't do it fine all right with us if you don't do it who will do it the internet will do it at the end of the day mm. and yeah we do not want that happening yeah yeah it's just it, i i i love it and yeah i love what you're saying though about the you know because i was going to ask you exactly that about that you're using so many different mediums do you know and um you're so right because some mediums are going to be more powerful more impactful than others you know and and you're right if you stood up there and did a big spiel a big talk about child sex abuse it wouldn't it just wouldn't work no. but it's a lot more subtle you know and people can sort of take it in while you're doing the play and then they can plant the seed gently and think about it plus it's not it's also like you're not accusing anybody too you know if you're, if you're doing a speech it's kind of like there's an accusing type of tone about it you know whereas a play there's not so i, I think it's wonderful Oh, gee, you're you're wearing me out. You've got so much energy. You're just doing so many things. Oh, honey, I'm like diamond. Now you've also been, um, you have been awarded um, for being one of the under 25 extraordinary women of Pakistan by the Little Art Organization. That is massive. 25 extraordinary, under 25 extraordinary women of Pakistan. You you know that's. When you're so young and you get that, you're gonna have you're gonna have you've got so much ahead of you. You've got so much stuff. So what what um and your story was made into a short documentary. So now you're a doco star. So how it even started was my dad. He stays on the internet a lot, and then so he came across this application link, and so he just applied. He's like, we're never gonna get it, but let's see how it goes. 
and I got shortlisted. So in the morning, is it is it I think a week or two after that or something. And he goes like, I know I should have told you, but I applied for this award and you might have gotten shortlisted. And then they wanna have a 15 minute chat with you. And it was eight in the morning. Back then I used to wake 2 p.m. And I'm like, eight in the morning. Are they kidding yeah. me? Please yeah. change the time. I cannot. They're like, no, they're not changing the time for you. You're going to go over that. Um, and so I did. And it was pretty cool. And I get this email um, a week or two later say that, congratulations, you have been awarded with the 25 under 25 award. And so even in that 25 under 25, it was like, so it was number one, number two, number three, number four. It was like that. So I was number one in that. So that, I mean, I... And then I have this whole magazine um, and it, I like you open it. And the first thing is my huge face. I wish my dad sent another picture, but like, whatever. Uh, and so that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, I guess there was a whole documentary made on me, but I feel like what is cooler is because this year the awards are happening again, but I am part of the jury and the youngest member of the jury. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, well, I reckon, I don't care what the picture was. If you open a magazine and there's your face, that's pretty bloody special. Yeah. That, that, that's special. It really is. Oh, look, I have loved this conversation. You, you are just doing so much amazing stuff. And, I, you know, you're going to go, you are going to go places. You, you really are. Now, there's so many people that say things like, I'm too young, I'm too old, you know, but let's say, Forget the old, because I'm the old fart in this conversation, and you're the yeah. young one, right? You, the people say I'm too young. I'm too young. Nobody's going to listen to what I've got to say. You know, I'm just a kid, and that sort of stuff. What do you, what do you say to these people? Um, for somebody that says I'm too young, I would say I started at eleven, and I, I mean, I, I wish I started younger. I mean, I would definitely wish mm. that. And so, a lot of there's a lot of things to at school, and I'm like, yo. When you're fresh out of school, they ask for experience. Right? When you're fresh out of college, again, they ask for experience for a job. And even if you're going to start a business, uh, you, if you have this attitude of, oh, my God, I'm too young, I'm not experienced enough now, you're probably going to have that done too. Yeah. So I'm just, I just want to say if you want to get into a good college and if that is what your aim in life is, then let that be that for now. And do it for a fancy college application like at this point in time I know I already had like a very fancy college application well I love your advice because I was too I, I left it too long I waited till I was 50 to do something to do to put out my first book so you know I, I love what you're saying and you do have to work and and people think that you know there's a magic wand or that you there's no magic wand you've just you've got to buddy put your head down bum up and you've you've got to actually go for it but well, I have loved this conversation. You are just a gem. You are, I love what you're doing. You're going to go, you are, as I've said it, you're going to go places. You are really going to, really going to make your mark on the world. And I'm so, so bloody thrilled for you. And I'm so glad you joined us. Now, people are going to want to follow you. So where can they find you? I am Raheen Fatma, R-A-H-E-N, space, uh, F-A-T-I-M-A, everywhere, Everywhere, just search me and I'll be there. <laughs> um, I am that on LinkedIn. So if you want to work professionally um, and so follow me uh, on more professional stuff, go on to LinkedIn. If you also want to see a bit more um, to perhaps my personal life and stuff, you might want to go on to Facebook. 
but I, if you want to work, uh, LinkedIn is the place. Um, yeah, because yeah, I do not check my Facebook DMs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're too weird now. <laughs> um, and so I also have a YouTube channel that is Raheem Fatma too. And I'm on Instagram. And I'm so sorry, but I do not give out my Snapchat. Oh, well, thank you so very much for joining me. And it's it's just been an absolute delight listening to you. And, you know, I can't wait to keep following you. So thank you very much. And it's just been wonderful. Thank you so much, Karen. It's a pleasure being on here. It's here. It's very nice. It's energetic. Um, yeah, I would love to interview you and have like a fun and goofy session together. And I feel like we could pull that off. Okay. Or do, I don't know, like. Do something stand-up comedic because you're funny and I'm funny. All right, let's do funny it. Funny hits funny, funny square. All right, let's do it. <laughs> let's do that. All right. All right, we'll, we'll catch you very soon. Thanks. Thank you. See ya. Oh, guys, that was bloody fantastic. I just, you know, I can't believe that somebody so young is doing so many amazing things and I'm exhausted just listening to her and all of the stuff that she's doing. Now, if you're sitting at home thinking that you're too young, too old or any of those two things, you know, please stop thinking that because you're not too young, you're not too old, and and the best time to start is right away. So there's something you want to do, please go do it. Start thinking about how you can do it. Take one step at a time, even just do micro steps. But but don't don't let life slip away without you doing it. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed that, and um, thank you so much for joining. Oh, and go follow Raheem, and I'll put all the links in the show notes, of course. And I thank you for joining me again, and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com. Tinker around there, have a bit of a look, and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.